welcome to the Ferris Love Podcast, where we share spiritual and practical ideas for how to live family life with a beautiful, self-sacrificing love. Today, we're talking with Kramer Soderberg, a college basketball coach, husband, father, author, and speaker. Welcome, Kramer. Thanks for having me. I'm excited to be here. Yeah. So we're going to talk about, um, you speak on a lot of different topics, but one of them is it's hard to be great. So we're going to talk about that today. Um, so give us a little bit of the background of this kind of talk, where it came from, and then we'll we'll dive in. Sure. Yeah. I mean, from from my sports background in that I was, you know, a, a college basketball player and now I'm a college basketball coach. Um, I think it kind of is centered around that that sports um, aspect of my life. And but but in in all reality, um, from from a human perspective, we all we all know this, you know, that anytime you're trying to pursue something that's important or pursue something that is, you know, of high esteem, it, it's hard to get there. And, you know, anybody who's in any sort of reality it knows that. And that, that kind of is what stemmed the talk and um, kind of around that topic was a, a spiritual perspective, obviously of, you know, being great in the spiritual life is of the utmost importance, or at least it should be in our lives. But so, so many of us fail to realize that we pursue, you know, greatness in our job and, and you know, in sports and all these different things, we're trying to be great, but so often do we fail to, pursue greatness in our spiritual life. And that's kind of what um, I challenge firstly myself with, and then anybody else that I, you know, am able to talk with from a spiritual perspective as well. Mm-hmm. I love that. Um, so when you say it's hard to be great, like that kind of phrase, which I think is very, very catchy. Like, what do you mean specifically by that? Because I think some people could hear that and be like, well, if I just put in a little bit of effort, like I can be great. Like, it's not that difficult or, you know, whatever. Yeah. 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 I always, I always give the example of um, the um, Olympian, you know, and if we, if we were going to be, and I, and I wrote this in, this is kind of a topic in my book that I think a lot of people can connect with is if you, if you desired to be a gold medalist, like if that was one of your goals, um, okay, I want to be a a gold medalist sprinter, whatever it may be. Um, And then before you started on your pursuit of becoming a gold medalist, you had to choose your trainer, you know, like who who was going to be your trainer. Mm -hmm. And if you had three options and the first trainer said to you, oh, you know, this is this isn't going to be too hard. You know, you're going to be able to do a lot of the same stuff that you've been doing. You won't have to change your lifestyle, so on and so forth. Um, If you, you know, kind of just do a few extra things and and I'll help you be a gold medalist. And then the next one says, um, yeah, this is going to be a challenge. You know, it's going to be, you know, a different lifestyle. You'll train three days a week and you know it'll it'll push you a little bit but I think you're you're, you know you'll you'll be able to get through it and then the final trainer says this is going to be the hardest thing you've ever done in your life Mm -hmm. and you're going to train seven days a week and I'm going to change your lifestyle you're not going to be eating the food you used to you're not going to do the things on the weekend you used to but I promise you that if you follow my plan you will become a gold medalist I always ask people which trainer would you choose and everybody says, well, yeah, of course I choose trainer number three, unless they're a sissy or, you know, scared, but, sure. but everybody chooses trainer number three. And why do they choose trainer number three? Because they know, well, of course, if I'm going to be a gold medalist, mm-hmm. I, I got to do something that is beyond anything I've ever done. You know, if I'm going to be the best of the best, I got to go beyond what anyone else is doing. Mm-hmm. And that, that kind of imagery, I think 
pretty much hammers home the idea that, yeah, you know, it, it makes sense to all of us that if we're going to pursue something great, something really hard, that it's not going to be easy to get there. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, no, for sure. And I think this is interesting too, because this is, you know, like that third coach looks at every aspect of your life and is going to be like, wait, all of this is going to be difficult. All of this is going to be challenging. Yeah. That's kind of what we're looking at here too. Like we're, you know, big goal, want to be saints and all of that. And like, that doesn't mean you just change one little thing. Like, okay, I'm just going to pray for five minutes a day. And like, that's fine. Right. All the rest. No, like it's, it's all the aspects. And that's, that's part of this. Yes. That's exactly right. From a spiritual perspective, if you desire to be a saint, which we all should. Um, but once you, receive that grace from God to desire that. Now, now the question for you becomes, okay, is Christ going to be the Lord of my whole life? Or is he just going to be the Lord of aspects of my life? And to become a saint, it can't be, yeah, you you are over my, you know, my work life and you're over my Sundays, but you're not with me on Friday and Saturday nights. Like that, that's, that's mm-hmm. not sainthood. That's, that's sure. not, all the way. And exactly like you said, you know, trainer number three says, no, I'm going to change your diet. I'm going to change your sleeping habits. I'm going to change all these things. And that's what, that's what Christ as the Lord of our lives should do mm-hmm. transform our entire lives, mm-hmm. our entire lives, public life, private life, family life, business life, everything changes when Christ becomes the center of your life. And um, again, that's, that's that same kind of imagery of the gold medalist and the trainer is that your life is going to change completely in pursuit of this great goal. Right. And it's going to be worth it, right? That gold medalist is like, well, if I'm getting there, like this is so worth it. And, And I say this all the time is, you know, our, our world teaches this that, and this is kind of another aspect of, you know, what, what does greatness mean? What does it mean to be great? You know, you can, so anyways, the, the, the world, our society tells us greatness is kind of physical stuff. Do you have a big house? Do you have lots of money? Um, Mm -hmm. Do you have a pretty girlfriend or a, you know, a handsome Mm -hmm. husband, whatever that, that is the world's definition of great. Um, But that in my estimation is not true greatness. Mm -hmm. True greatness is getting the most out of the potential that God has given you. Mm -hmm. That that's, that is what true greatness is. And some of us have been given great potential. You know, I, I joke with my players sometimes like my, five foot 10 point guard who can't jump very high. Well, you haven't been given very much basketball potential. My guy who's six eleven, who's an incredible athlete, you've been given incredible um, potential, but that's irrelevant, right? That doesn't matter. All that matters is that you get the most out of the potential that God has given you. And that is true success. That's true greatness. That if you can walk away from this life and say, no, I, I became the best that God was asking me to be. I came all that he asked me to be, even if that means you're not as, you know, good, or you don't do the things that somebody else is doing. This isn't a compare and contrast type of thing when you're, when you're chasing sainthood. And then on top of that, that idea that we talked about that getting to heaven is the ultimate goal, becoming saints. And I say all the time that you could have a fancy house with a thousand cars, but at the end of your life, if you don't go to heaven, you are a failure you right. failed. Like mm-hmm. you, you have ultimate failure. Mm-hmm. If you are a bum and live under a bridge for the, your entirety of your life and society says that you're a failure, but you end up going to heaven. I'm sorry, society's wrong. You are success because at the end of the day, that is the goal. 
mm-hmm. if you make it to heaven, you've won. And if you don't, you've lost. Mm-hmm. I think this illustration of the, you know, the short little point guard basketball player and the tall six eleven one, like is sure. also really helpful because it's not a matter of the the short one being as great as the tall one on the basketball court. It's a matter of him living up to his greatness and his potential and the other one as yes. well. And that it's it's very individual for each of us, like what sanctity looks like, what greatness looks like in our lives based on right. kind of our own talents, our strengths, our weaknesses, where we're called to act, like all of that. That's right. And it, and it, it relates perfectly to the, you know, the Bible verse of we are the body of Christ and that the hand can't say to the foot that you don't matter or, you know, so it's, it's this idea of whether you're a, you know, the heart or a lung or the brain or whether you're a tiny little eyelash everything in the body of Christ matters, no matter how much big your potential is, no matter how small, no matter how big your platform is, no matter how small, no matter what job God has given you to, uh, to do, your job is to get the most out of that potential that you've been given, that platform that you've been given. And that's, that is true success. That's true greatness, um, in my estimation, in my opinion. Sure, definitely. So I'm curious, it, why or how you explain that this is worth pursuing? Because it is true, like this is hard, right? Like pursuing greatness is really hard and it's going to change your life and it's going to be hard your whole life to a certain extent, sure. right? Like sure. something you're going to be working on forever. So why is it really worth pursuing? Well, yeah, I think I think everybody that has, be, excuse me, begun the process of trying to attain sainthood will tell you that what you receive from Christ, the grace that you receive, the peace that you receive, the contentment that you receive from Christ on this pursuit is is beyond worth it. Um, the the change in mentality that you will have, you know, in your thinking towards the world and what success and failure is, it's it's so worth it. And then obviously, you know, we talked on it already that that the end goal is is heaven. You know, so that's number one reason. Um, but from a from an earthly perspective reason i think that so many of us who have begun this journey with christ as the lord of our life can can tell people that there is this um internal peace that that you receive this grace that you receive when you when you are pursuing this life and now don't get me wrong that doesn't mean that when you become a follower of christ that nothing goes wrong or you don't have any anxiety or there's not bad days of course there are you know he told you know jesus told us there would be you pick up my cross and follow me um but i think that that internal just comfort of knowing I have surrendered my life completely to the Lord and no matter what comes my way, good or bad from a earthly perspective, mm-hmm. I'm good. You know, mm-hmm. no matter what, no matter what happens, the Lord has his plan in mind for me and it is good and mm-hmm. it is good. And when you get to a place spiritually, when you know that mm-hmm. and not only intellectually know it, but know it, you know, in your soul, mm-hmm. it, it allows for you to kind of, um, float through life mm. you know you mm-hmm. you just kind of are able to float through life no matter what comes your way goods and bads ups and downs you just are able to float mm. um and that for me has been a huge piece of my spiritual life and again i'm by no means perfect and i by no means float every day mm-hmm. um but i float far more than i used to float if mm-hmm. if that makes sense because sure. Absolutely. um once, once you give it over to him and once you are able to 
give that full surrender up. It, it allows you to just let go of that clinging that we as humans so often do. You, we mm-hmm. cling to the outcomes, you know, do, does this happen? Do I get this job promotion for me as a basketball coach? Do I win enough games? You know, mm-hmm. all these things. Um, and once you've given your life to Christ, I think you can kind of just let go of that tight grip that we all want to hold mm-hmm. on to our, you know, in our lives. So sure. I think that's a, a big piece of it for me, at least. Absolutely. Um, I'm curious how you would explain, or maybe you can give some examples from your own life or whatever, like how we pursue greatness in all the other aspects. Cause I think maybe it's easier. We're like, okay, well, I should go to mass more often. If I'm, if I'm pursuing like spiritual greatness, right? Like I should, yes, go to mass yes. more often, I should pray, I should, you know, read the Bible. Um, but like, what does that greatness look like then outside of that with work, with family, with whatever? For sure. For sure. Yeah. I think, I think that's, that's a great challenge of the spiritual walk is almost training yourself to be conscious, conscious of the Lord and of your pursuit of sainthood during all aspects of the day, you know, not Mm -hmm. just when, okay, morning prayer, I'm really centered on the Lord or when I go to mass on Sunday, okay, now my focus is on the Lord. Now, is there, is there a way for us to constantly be aware of his presence and constantly be in tune with what he wants me to do in his will so that every step of my life is perfectly in accord to what he wants. And I read a great book long time ago, kind of early in my, you know, re- reconversion um called practicing his presence hmm. um by frank labach and it was also um a guy named brother lawrence they took kind of their journal entries and put it into a book but hmm. practicing his presence was just about this idea of can you can we train ourselves to be constantly aware of god in our lives hmm. so whether we're cooking dinner whether we're at work yeah. whether i'm coaching on the sideline during a game playing with my kids hmm. um you know all these things constantly aware of God's presence in our life, Mm -hmm. constantly aware that his plan is good and that he loves us and that he is real, all these things. And that, that challenge, it's, it's very difficult to do. Um, But once I read that book, I kind of got excited about it. And I said, no, I want to, I want to really work on that. I want to, I want to see if I can train myself to do that. And a few things, just practical things that I started doing that might help um, some of the listeners is I did three things. So um, I would allow um, three things throughout my day to kind of trigger or remind me that God was with me. So one was nature. And I think this is an easy thing for everybody to do. Like if you're, you know, you're walking outside and you see a, you know, a beautiful sunset or you, you hear the birds chirping or you're driving to work and you see a, you know, a beautiful fall leaves, whatever, just allow those moments in nature, mm-hmm. God's gifts, God's beauty to remind you, Oh man, you know, beautiful. Thank you, God, for for that gift. Okay. That was one thing. Um, Another thing is people. So I I tried to any encounter with another person, I tried to say, in this person is Christ, Mm. you know, in Mm. in this person is Christ. So no matter whether it was just walking by somebody um, on campus where I work or having a meeting or um, a referee that I'm not a big fan of who (laughs) makes a bad call, you know, okay, see, see Christ in every person that I come across. And then finally, in um, any difficulty or trial that you face throughout the day, 
um, unite that to Christ, you know, and I call them, I call them pinpricks, you know, mm. so we all, we all have little pinpricks throughout the day. We usually don't get a big nail through our hands most days, but we all get little pinpricks, whether that be somebody cuts us off in traffic or my kids are acting up or my, you know, my wife gets on me about something I forgot to do. These are little pinpricks and allow those pinpricks to remind us of Christ's suffering and then offer those little tiny sufferings to the Lord. And if you do those three things, you'll find yourself that almost throughout your whole day, like you're, sure. you're constantly bringing Christ back to your mind. And mm-hmm. I think once you do that, and once that becomes a habit, now Christ's presence in your life is a habit. Mm-hmm. And there's not a moment throughout the day where you're not in conversation with him. Now, that doesn't mean I'm constantly praying, but it means I'm constantly just connected. You know, mm-hmm. we're, we're wired together right now. And um, I think those those three things from a practical perspective, at least for me, really helped me to kind of train myself in this practicing of the presence of Christ. Mm-hmm. I love that, too, because it's so many just very simple things, right? Like yeah. it's your nature, like you're always right. around, even if you're in an office building, you're looking at your window on occasion, yep. and you see, you know, the little pine yep. tree there um, and people for sure. Right. So we all it, encounter yeah. people, whether we like <laughs> them or not, we encounter them. So I think it's good. to <laughs> Exactly. Exactly. That's and it's just yeah, a really easy way to kind of work with your brain and kind of trigger those those little sure. moments of yep. connection with our Lord. That's great. Yep. Um, I'm curious if you have any other suggestions or simple ways to kind of begin pursuing greatness in our own lives, right? Like how can we, especially I think the areas that we have maybe grown accustomed to being mediocre in, right? Mm. Maybe we work enough in our job, but we're not like fully in, right? Or maybe we give enough in quotation marks to our marriage, but not like we're not fully in, like how do we start pursuing greatness? Yeah. So I, this, um, I'll tell just a a brief little story. And this is actually kind of a, I guess, a a caveat to my book, which the title of my book is fill your cup for Christ. Okay. That's the title of my book. And where that title comes from is a story that my dad told me. And he actually told a bunch of campers. It was at a basketball camp. My dad's been a, a coach my whole life. And it was at a, at a, summer basketball camp for a bunch of little kids where he told this story and I'll, I'll briefly kind of explain it, but he had pulled all the campers together, you know, about halfway through the week and sat us down and was going to, um, you know, talk to us briefly. And he said, I'm going to introduce you to three players. And I was excited because I thought he was going to introduce them to, you know, the actual basketball players, but instead he started rooting around in his backpack and he pulled out three different size cups. He, he pulled out like a 64 ounce gas station guzzler you know and he pulled out a regular 12 ounce drinking glass and then he pulled out like a little dixie cup Mm -hmm. um and he introduced all these guys he said this is big john you know he's six foot eleven and he can jump high and then the next guy he said this is jimmy and he's not as tall as big john but he's still pretty tall he's six two and he's strong and whatever and then he said now this is little tony he's only five ten and he can't jump high and he's not very fast and so on and so forth and he said um again similar to the image we were talking about um earlier is that it doesn't matter how much potential you've been given. All that matters is you get the most out of your potential. All that matters is you fill your cup all the way to the top. Mm-hmm. And on the drive home, he, he kind of poked me and he said, Hey, you know, Kramer, what'd you think of my talk? There? Oh, dad, it, you know, it was a good talk. I really liked it. And he said, just so you know, you're the small cup. Oh, <laughs> and thanks dad. 
Yeah, right. So, I, you know, that was I was in sixth grade. So I was still had these aspirations. You know, I'm going to be six, six and, you know, really athletic. But he knew due, due to my gene pool that I wasn't going to be very I was going to end up being five, ten and not athletic. So but he said that doesn't matter. You know, I know all these goals that you have. You want to be, you know, player of the player of the year in the state in high school and start varsity, win a state championship, play division one, go to the NBA. You go, you want all these aspirations. Don't worry about those. He said, don't worry about them. All you worry about is filling your little cup all the way to the top, mm. you know, and if you do that, you're a success. Mm -hmm. And I think, I think that is, that is the first step for, for everyone in this pursuit of greatness is to not settle for mediocrity in any aspect of your life. You know, even if it's an aspect of your life that you're not entirely in love with, you know, you have a job that you just, you just don't want to be at, or you wish you were somewhere else irrelevant, irrelevant, fill your cup all the way to the top. And that's what I pursued during my entire basketball career. I, I, and I, I'm proud to say that I felt like I got the most out of my basketball potential as a, you know, a short little guy who wasn't very athletic, but after my career was over, I realized that that story was so powerful. Yes. From a basketball perspective, but from a, all my life perspective. And now I try to, as best I can, fill my cup to the top as a coach, as a husband, as a father, um, and most especially as a Catholic man. Um, that, I think, once once you hone in on that goal and mm -hmm. not this idea that I have to get the promotion or I have to win this game or I have to make this amount of money or my kids have to be you know great at this and all these things that are you know, just materialistic ideas of success. If we just hone in on this idea that if I fill my cup to the top in all these different aspects of my life, I am a success. Mm -hmm. And that to me is what true holiness is. That's mm -hmm. what saint sanctity is. That's what sainthood is. And I always put this caveat from a spiritual perspective in that we can't just so we know, and everybody doesn't, you know, the, the non-Catholics don't come shouting at me. We can't, we can't, you know, tighten up our bootstraps and muscle our way to heaven. You know, mm. we're, we're not, we're not getting there on our own by any means, but what Christ does ask us to do is he asks us to fill our cup to the top. Mm -hmm. And then after we do that, he will change our water into wine, mm -hmm. you know, just like at the wedding at Cana. And I think it's a great kind of crossover of images here. Yeah. He, he tells the servants at the wedding, fill these jars to the brim, mm -hmm. She'll, fill these jars to the brim. They didn't fill them with wine. They didn't have any, you know, we can't get ourselves to heaven. I can't become a saint on my own, but I can fill my little cup to the mm -hmm. top mm -hmm. all the way. I can fill it to the brim. And then allow Christ, God's grace, to change my water into wine, to change my humanly works into heavenly works. That, that I think, is the beginning of greatness, of spiritual greatness, but also of earthly greatness. And it's not earthly greatness when you're in this Christian walk, because everything we do from an earthly perspective, being a husband, a father, a worker, a whatever it may be, that is all connected to our spiritual walk. That are Those are all vocations that Christ gives us to, to become. Saints. So that that I think is the first thing that we all have to connect with is that I am not going to settle for mediocrity. I understand what God is asking me to do is fill my cup to the top in every aspect of my life, in every vocation he's given me, and then allow his grace to change my earthly works to heavenly works, to change my water to wine.
That's such a great analogy. And really, I mean, it's just, it's so clear. And I think everyone is sitting here thinking of what kind of cup they are right now as they're listening. Right. Yeah, yeah. Like, am I filling it right to the brim? Yeah. I also love that it was your dad who was like, by the way, you're the smaller cup, like also yeah. helping you realize like you need to pursue greatness and you need to fill your cup, but like you also need to be realistic that you are not the like yeah. jug right. here as well. Right. right? Which is yeah. important, I think, for parents too to help their kids understand you, you need to pursue greatness for you and not, you know, whatever the world's telling you or right. whatever happens to be. Yeah. Yeah. You, you, there's, there's a little of, you know, there's a little bit of humility and, you know, set aside your pride here. And, you know, like if I tried to compare myself with whatever Scott Hahn, you know, who's, sure. you know, doing yeah. this, I'd be like, I am, I am doing nothing. I'm, mm-hmm. I'm dismal. But if I just said, no, I, God has given me this platform. He's given me these abilities. I'm not as good a communicator as, or a speaker or as knowledgeable as Scott Hahn. That's okay. You know, I don't have as big an audience as, as Scott Hahn. That's okay. He's given me this platform, this vocation, and I got to fill my cup to the top mm-hmm. um, in that in that realm. And then when you do that, I think it just allows you to let go. You, you're not worried about the outcomes. You're just worried about glorifying God in all the little aspects of your life and knowing that if you do that with, with a clean heart, he, he's going to get you to heaven. Absolutely. Um, I'm curious how you kind of help communicate this to your children now, right? Cause you have, you have several children. So how do you help them kind of pursue greatness as, as little guys, right? Yeah. Yeah. I, I have four, you know, so I have an eight-year-old boy, a six-year-old boy, a three-year-old daughter, and a one-year-old daughter. So we're in the middle of madness for sure. And if there's <laughs> some days are easier to fill my cup than others. Sure. Um, but no, I I always tell this to parents, and and often when I speak, I get this question after my talks is, you know, my my son or my my granddaughter is falling away from the faith. You know, what do I do to, you know, bring them back? And I'm so worried about them. And I, I tell people all the time. Um, obviously first and foremost is pray. We got to pray for our children, pray for our grandchildren, um, pray the rosary for our kids, offer our children up to our Holy mother and allow her to, to cling to them in, in her motherly arms. Um, but secondly, I think our first priority needs to be us and setting the example for our kids. Mm-hmm. And I, I tell this to people all the time is my, my mom and my dad are both, I think, you know, very holy people and they've lived strong Catholic lives. Um, but if I went back into my memory bank and like tried to come up with like things like words that my dad or my mom told me, I wouldn't remember a lot of them, you know, like as, as we, as parents know, like I tell my kids something and it goes in one ear out the other. They don't even know I said anything, mm-hmm. but, but what we do I think lasts a lifetime for children. And that, that was for me is like, I fell away from my faith. You know, I was disinterested in high school and college. I completely, you know, lost my way and and got into the ways of the world. Um, but at some point I, I came back to, okay, why, why did dad go to adoration? Mm-hmm. Why did mom pray the rosary? Why did dad go to daily mass? Why did they do these things? And those little seeds that they planted through their examples mm-hmm. way early on became later to produce fruit in me, you know, and it it took a while, you know, it took a while for me, but it does for most of us. And I think that's the first thing for us as parents is we have to set the example, set the standard for our children that they see us, mm-hmm. they see me pray the rosary. Maybe I pray it with them every so often. They see me go to mass. They see me uh, read my Bible. All these things that I think might not produce fruit right now or later on 
early in their lives, but at some point it is going to produce fruit. And I think that's, that's really important. And then, and then finally, I think that that idea of letting them know that all, all that they're expected of is to become the best that they can be. Mm-hmm. the best that they can be in whatever aspect of it. Okay. We're sitting down for math homework and we're homeschooling our kids now. So there's the battles here. All, all I am asking you to do young man is to be the best you can be on this little math sheet here, mm-hmm. you know, be as good as you can be. And then in the, in when they're playing sports, just be as, be the best you can be, try your hardest and have as much fun as you can be the best you can be. And I think when they know that, when that idea that mom and dad aren't expect, you know, we don't, knock your worth on results. You know, mm-hmm. you, you, if you don't win this soccer game or you don't get an A on this test, that, that doesn't define your worth or whether you're a success, but what does is how much you put into this job. Mm-hmm. Do you become the best you can be? Did you try as hard as you could to be as good as you can be? And I think those three things, praying, setting the example, and then, and then encouraging our kids to be the best they can be. I think that's, that's a setup for some good things for your kids later on. Agreed. Agreed. I think this was great. Um, I don't have any other questions for you. Do you have anything else you want to share? Any other takeaways that you want our listeners to hear before we sign off? I don't think so. I, we covered a lot in a short amount of time. I love it. Um, I'm, I'm always, I'm always open to people reaching out to me with questions, problems, difficulties. I'm on Instagram. Um, I have an account that's been growing um, surprisingly to me, but um, it's at a Catholic coach, a Catholic coach, um, and then I have a website, www.kramersoderberg.com. And then I mentioned my book, Fill Your Cup for Christ, A Spiritual Journey, Sown and Grown Through Sports. So um, I'm just trying to do my little part of, you know, getting people on the Christ team and beating the devil. I love it. I love it. And we will, we'll link to all of those in the show notes as well, in okay. case you missed it. So people can, can listen to you. So thank you so much, Kramer. This was an amazing conversation. My pleasure. Thanks for having me. Mm-hmm. Thanks for listening to this episode of the Ferris Love Podcast. If you enjoyed it, there are a few things you can do to support us. Share this episode with a friend, subscribe to the podcast, leave a review, or visit us at ferrisloveshrine.org.